Chris. This week we are repurposing the audio from one of our newest uh, YouTube videos. Uh, think of it as, in a way, a sequel of sorts to that Where Should They Go episode we dropped a couple weeks ago. Um, this is what would be my pitch for a new show based on uh, Michael Creighton's Jurassic Park. And it's uh, more of a faithful adaptation to the book. And I'm going to leave it there, and uh, you'll hear me get into it uh, probably much deeper than I need to uh, in the episode. Um, hope you enjoy, and God bless, my friends. Peace! Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're watching One Cross Video, aka 2099 OCR Video, aka One Cross Radio Video. I don't know the name yet. <laughs> Um, but we are back with a new video, um, and it's going to be potentially the start of a sub-series. I might incorporate it onto uh, the podcast proper at some point, but it's, it's kind of a fun thing to look at. It's light, it's harmless, or it should be, and we need more of, more of that. Um, and this is also actually inspired by a, a couple different things. Um, one that kind of carries on from our most recent episode of the podcast proper, uh, where we were looking at where franchise should, franchises should go, and I kind of made my pitches there. Um, it's also partially inspired by the um, the YouTube channel and series Reboot It, um, and it's just kind of fun to fun to think about. Um, so this is kind of called. I'm looking at this and calling it Make Your Pitch. And it's the idea of if you, like, we eliminate the reality of the situation, the budgets, this is pie in the sky, and it's like, hey, you're, you're at a studio, and you get to make a pitch about a property that you would, like, adapted for the first time, or readapted, or remade, or rebooted, what have you. Um, it's just kind of fun to look at, like, hey, what would your tone be? Uh, where would you go? Who would you get in charge? Who would you cast? That kind of thing. Um, and to continue from some of the things I talked about in that, in that where should they go episode, we are looking at uh, my pitch for uh, for where the Jurassic franchises should go. I'm calling it Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. Uh, and then to follow it up with um, to follow up on some of the stuff I said in the episode. Um, I'm a huge fan of the original Jurassic Park film. I think it's borderline perfect. Um, and adapting this, uh, this show, uh, like adapting the book, is in no way to disparage the original film. But it is very different from the book. Uh, not so different that you're like, oh, you're just slapping on a character's name and I... They don't resemble at all who is in the book, but it's also different enough that you can you can get something else from it. Um, also, I don't know where there is to go for the the film franchise. I I, I really don't. Uh, I don't think the story lends itself to multi picture films or an endless endless thing. Um, it doesn't 
makes sense to to carry on. And in the films now, it's like okay, dinosaurs are out in the real world and they're acclimatized to coexisting with animals and man. Where do you go? Um, and the book, the 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 book was originally designed. It had a finite ending. Um, like it's this is done. Um, and then because of how successful the book was and then how much fans enjoyed the book, but then especially how successful the film was when it came out in 93, um, there was a lot of renewed interest in the book, uh, but then fan demand for another book and studio demand <laughs> for, for another book. And author Michael Crichton had never written a sequel before, but because of the goodwill towards the the book and then the film and then the fan and studio demand for it he authored the lost world and the lost world as a book can exist after the ending of jurassic park um it's separate enough that it can but it's still connected um even though jurassic the novel had a finite ending um or not finite but a very firm ending um the lost world existed and it worked and it made sense that it existed and it has an implied ending an implied firm ending uh so film wise they'd be like okay you can get two but three anyways um so that's where i think that i think the franchise is the only place for fertile ground for it is the stuff that wasn't adapted from from the novels um and the novel is like i've alluded to it's very different from the film um the novel would be r-rated um or it would be along those lines um so my pitch would be uh to make it a a six to eight episode miniseries and the episodes will probably be about uh, an hour to an hour and a half each now the audiobook is 12 hours um, but there you'd have to readapt and recontextualize some of the stuff because it's like first first person POV narrator insertion giving the background so you'd have to rework that stuff um, but I think it would lend itself to a six to eight episode miniseries. And of course, if you're in the development and you're fine, like, no, nine would be better, ten would be better, or closer to six would be better. The story dictates the episode length, not the other way around. Um, or it shouldn't. So, on paper, it's a six to eight episode miniseries. Like I said, runtime is 60 minutes to an hour and a half per episode. Uh, I love this novel. It's one I revisit about once a year, and increasingly every time I revisit it, um, I'm like, that's the episode break. <laughs> like, that's where we cut off and where we continue in the next episode. And I start to picture who I would cast. And this kind of thing should be light. It should be fun because we're talking about movies that don't have huge lasting implications <laughs> or they shouldn't um so i'm trying to keep this light and fun but i do have a love of the of the novel and of this franchise so there's there's some care in it as well but ultimately it's not anything i'm going to be yelling at anybody about and we shouldn't do that as fans of stuff um 
Okay, so, yeah, it would be a mini-series. I think I don't, again, not knocking either Jurassic or The Lost World films, but I think those stories, the way that Crichton wrote them, if we're honoring the, those versions of the stories, they lend themselves to longer, longer-form storytelling, and mini-series would be perfect for that. Um, I would have it be, I would, and I would be as faithful to the book as as possible. Now there would be some changes, I'll admit, um, but not not many because I think the books are fantastic. Um, it would take place in 1989, like the book does. Um, the book makes a great argument for why it's taking place at that time. The intersection and advancement of the technologies, where it's like, okay, yeah, it could be secret enough that someone would be would be doing this, and it would be hush hush. Um, and also, it explains how people can get separated and lost in places when they don't just pull out their cell phones. Um, so it would deliberately take, have it take place in 89 where you can lean on where technology was in the past, where it's also not a full on like period piece or anything. Um, and I would, like I said, adapt it mostly faithful to the novel. The only things I change from the novel, their personal preferences. Um, I would, I would change Lex, uh, in the book, Lex was the younger sibling, and she was a child in an overall scary situation, and then having sibling dynamic with her, her older brother, and she could get very, very grating at points. Uh, I know that's not the case for everybody, but it seems a lot of a lot of fans of the book did find Lex annoying, and I'd want to I'd want to take that back a bit. I'd want to change that a bit because I think there is a likability to Lex. Um, so I'd, I'd try to make her more empathetic like they did in the film. Uh, in the film, they took a lot of Timmy's characteristics. Um, so I wouldn't do that. But I, I would take some of, I, I'd maybe take some of movie Tim or whatnot and apply it to Lex in, in this so she'd be more likable than she was in the book. Um, I'd also change Nedry a bit. Um, in the book, Nedry's described as fat and slobby. Now, you could be like, Chris, you're being sensitive. I'm a little bit of a larger fella, um, and I don't think we need to be the person who's like, got the, the, the food leftovers on their hands at the computer to be the, to be the fat person. I think it could be a thinner, thinner person, and you could still have like, oh, they're, they're a slob. Um, they, the slob doesn't need to be the fat person. Um, so I changed that. I, I'll also say now, um, cause later I'm going to dive into castings and why I don't have a casting for Nedry, uh, just cause I can't, cause I'd want to change the role a little bit while he's still Nedry from the book, but he doesn't have to be the larger person. Um, I don't have anybody in mind for that. Um, and I don't know younger like kid actors enough to have a Lex and Tim. So those three roles I don't have. Um, okay, so I'm going to get into the tone of it. The tone of this show would be a bit of heavy for foreboding. Um, they're it, like not catast uh, catastrophe, but anybody who reads the book, the book paints the picture pretty much off the bat where this story is going to go. It's going to end with people dying and this isn't going to end well. Um, so I would want to channel that because like within the first chapter, 
like you're getting a much more violent raptor attack where we're not seeing the raptor attack anybody, uh, but we're seeing the aftermath of it where a young local worker who's like 19 is being brought to a village and a character named Ed Regis is like, oh, it was a mining accident. And the doctor's looking at this kid who's torn from hip to shoulder. And she's like, this is more characteristic of a mauling. There's no debris, but there's a lot of what appear to be bites and scratches. Um, that kind of thing. And as well in the first chapter of the book, because the first chapter, uh, you don't even meet any of the main characters. Like you meet Regis, but he's not a main character. He's a more of a minor supporting role. Um, and even that's brief, but it's a lot of setup to give the idea like, hey, the dinosaurs are already, some of them are already off the island. Like there's people getting sick in Costa Rica. There's small towns that have like versions of maternity wards and where the babies are and the infant mortality rate is going up because we're, some of it we're finding out like the compies have gotten off the island and they're attacking the kids in the bassinets. Um, and I show that without showing that because that can get really, really dark. And I think you could have the horror of the implication of it with them around and the silence without actually showing some of the stuff. And the book doesn't go into gory detail or anything, but it's, it's with that kind of tone, like that tells you that this is going to be like things aren't going to work out. Um, so it would have that tone. Now, of course, there's going to be moments of optimism and, and beauty because it is people seeing the majesty of, of dinosaurs as well. But there would those would be fleeting glimpses and fleeting moments. Um, it would not be it would not be that for a chunk of it. Uh, musically, if I can draw a comparison, I'd be like think of with the films, think of John the differences between John Williams scores between Jurassic Park and Lost World. I think the Lost World score uh, did have that, that different sense and that foreboding that I'd be, I'd be going for tonally in this show. Um, and I think that's, appropriate, that's an appropriate segue to talk about the music. I would love to get uh, Bear McCreary to score this show. Um, I think I, I'm personally most familiar with him uh, and I'm a huge fan of his score for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And he reminds me a lot of Giacchino, who I did think about, but he's also done the the Jurassic World scores. Um, and it's been like, it's Giacchino, but it is also still grounded a lot in the world, the musical world that Williams set up. Um, McCreary is someone who, like Giacchino, can use those earlier themes um, but then add his spin to it that doesn't detract. Um, two great examples of that from the King of the Monsters score is uh, the Mothra theme, and you got that at the end credits, um, but then also the classic Akira Ifakube um, if theme for Godzilla, like getting that in its full glory, but then hearing what Bear McCreary added to it, and then as well what he added throughout that that score, I think he could do that foreboding, but also th with those moments of optimism and beauty and the, the light humor that does show up. Um, so I'd, I'd get him to do the score. Um, I don't know who I'd get to, <laughs> to direct, necessarily. For some reason, Guillermo del Toro's popping in. I'd, I'd like him maybe shepherding 
thing. I think he could do it. Anyways, uh, now I'm on to the the casting. This is the one that is the the longest, and I think it's the things that people most go towards with this. Um, and the other thing, I am going to be talking about the characters and why I'd have them in here. Some of you might know me well enough to be like, well, Chris, it's because you like that person. Yeah, I think that's going to happen with any person casting stuff, but it's also because I think they'd be a legit good fit. Um, all right, so first up for our Alan Grant. Book Grant is different from movie Grant. He doesn't have the hostility towards children uh, that Grant, that movie Grant does. Um, he, like right off the back in the book, he's very supportive and encouraging to Tim and his interests, uh, interests in dinosaurs. Um, but he does get a little bit of action-y scenes, uh, not to the degree of, say, Muldoon, but he does do stuff where there would be some action scenes, so he's got to have that edge to him. I'm leaning, uh, I, I'm going Carl, Carl Urban. Carl Urban is a tremendous actor. Um, and he, like a lot of us know him from as Bones in, in the, the Kelvin Timeline Shrek films. He was in Lord of the Rings and his fantastic scream got cut, which sucks. Um, and then of course he's in The Boys and Dread. And part of why I'd like to see him as Alan Grant is one, I can just picture him in that role, but two, Fassbender, sorry, not Fassbender, although he's on my list. Um, Urban now, I think, is mostly known um, for the boys and where he's gruff and very, very curse heavy. <laughs> um, and Grant has moments of of genuine care for, for the children, um, for the kids in that. So I think he could, I'd like to see... Urban's got the range, got range, and Grant would afford him the opportunity to show that range a bit. And I think he'd, he'd just be a stellar casting for it. Uh, I accidentally said Fassbender because Michael Fassbender, who I'm a huge fanboy of, uh, is who I'd have as Ian Malcolm. I think Michael Fassbender is a tremendous actor no matter what he does. He can elevate the bad material he's in. He might not be able to save it, but he can elevate it to a degree. And he always brings such a great performance. Um, Malcolm in the book is diff to a degree different from Malcolm in, the, Malcolm in the film. I love Jeff Goldblum as Malcolm, but Malcolm in the film... Jeff Goldblum brought the arrogance of Malcolm, but it came off as very, very charming. Um, Michael Fassbender, I think, would be able to bring the arrogance of I'm right and I know I'm right and keep it as arrogant. Uh, Michael Fassbender is charming, uh, but you could also believe the arrogance that is part of Malcolm um, that kind of got lost in that original translation and like I said, I love Goldblum's interpretation of Malcolm, but I think Fassbender could bring a bit more of that that self-confident arrogance that I'm the most correct person in this room um, and still be likable at the same time and still great on you. Um, especially in those scenes later where you'd be adapting like Malcolm post-Rex attack is awake and alert but then later um morphine and getting into heavy 
philosophical conversations and all that, and Fassbender would eat that up and and rock it. Um, and also, uh, with one of my other castings, it's to right a wrong from a <laughs> from a real movie. So I'll get there. Um, next up is Ellie Sattler. So Book Sattler is younger than than movie Sattler. Um, in the book, Grant, I believe, is late 30s, early 40s. Um, I think late 30s. And most characters are late, like they're mid to late 30s. Sattler, I think, is supposed to be um, mid mid 20s. Um, she does not have a romantic dynamic with Grant. Um, she's, she looks young, she's attractive, but she's also someone in the, like, in the field, in the dirt, and then later running around, like, messing with trying to trick raptors and stuff. Um, so you gotta have someone who's got that stunning quality, but also that every person quality. Um, and this is going to seem like I'm picking on somebody, but it shouldn't be a Denise Richards, James Bond situation where it's Denise Richards is a nuclear scientist, but nobody buys it. And that's fair. Um, also the thing with the Jurassic books that I like is very few characters have like firmed um, racial backgrounds or anything like that. So this, it, most of us, and I think a lot of people in, in the movies that shows, like a lot of these characters are just casted Caucasianly. Um, so I'm taking that liberty of like, well, they don't have to be um, to add some diversity, but also not just because it's just because of the diversity, because I like immediately these people sprang to mind and more so than any Caucasian actresses. Uh, but for Ellie Sattler, I would honestly be looking at a, a Zendaya or Zendaya. I'm not sure how you pronounce her name um, or Zoe Kravitz. Um, both are models and can be models. Um, so both have that, that physical attractive factor. Um, in the book, several times people are kind of pulled a bit by Sattler's looks, um, but also not distractingly so. Um, and it's not like, oh, it's, it's this movie model, but as the, it's not the Denise Richards thing where you're like, I don't buy this. Because um, both of them also have looked and can look like the every person and can get in that role where you just believe them there. Um, Zendaya showed that so much over Dune, but also the, the three spider flicks she was in. And Zoe Kravitz as well uh, showed that in, in uh, the Batman and other things she's done. Um, and also, I like they both look younger, not too young, but also younger where I'd be like, yeah, I could buy them in their mid twenties. Um, and that they have a close relationship, but that's, uh, like a student teacher or student professor relationship, not in a gross way, um, with Carl Urban's grant, um, and that they'd have a life off to the side because Sattler in, Sattler in the book is, 
is Grant's student. Uh, she's a she's like a, a late college student. She's doing her degree and everything. Um, so I think Zendaya or Zoe Kravitz uh, could not only play book Sattler to a T, I think they could knock it out of the park. Um, pun not intended. Next up is Muldoon. Muldoon, I'm going Liam Neeson. Muldoon in the book is a wart, like a game warden. He's a guy who's got a lot of experience hunting, and I think he's also been involved in zoos in different ways than another character later. Um, and he's grizzled, and he's gruff, and he's, he's at one point a drunk because <laughs> he's drinking as the situation gets worse. And Liam Neeson has the acting chops for it, um, and he... I honestly just can't picture anybody else for it. I think Liam Neeson would slot in that role. Muldoon's also supposed to have a little bit of an older edge to him. Uh, three characters in the in the book, I'd say, seem to be outside of that mid thirty, mid to late thirties range. Um, aside from Sattler and the kids, most people just seem to in their that description they seem to be there. But uh, Muldoon, Hammond, and uh, John Arnold, I think all of them are, you could go, like, mid-40s, early 50s, except for Hammond, who's, like, in his 70s. Um, so Neeson, I could picture in that role as well as this grizzled, um, this, gruffing, this gruff and grizzled game warden who has hunted and has helped with zoos and also has a healthy fear of these animals but also a desire if they go out of line to to do what he can to fight them he's he's not going to run away um so i think neeson would knock that out of the park um did not mean to make that accidental joke second time uh next up i've got john arnold sam jackson in the original movie in this movie i in this show i would go idris elba one, because I'm a giant Idris Elba fan. That man is ridiculously handsome, ridiculously charming, but also a terrific actor. Um, also, he can play older, can play younger, can play authoritative. Um, John Arnold in the book is a, like has had a career, I think, working... I believe he worked with NASA, possibly with the military. Uh, so he's got to have some authoritative semblance um but he's also run theme like been the head honcho running theme parks um learning stuff with lines and technology and stuff that he would have to have this been there not been there done that but lived that quality and i think idris elba could nail this part to a t um and then as well, the reason, I, a, a big reason, honestly, I want to class Delba aside from I'm a huge fan of the guy, and I do think he could just play the role amazingly. Um, you might notice I have Michael Fassbender as Malcolm. They share some scenes debating in the book. Uh, they were also in a little movie called Prometheus together, and to me, it was a wrong of that film, several wrongs. <laughs> was you have two actors of that caliber and they barely share a scene together, let alone actually substantive lines. So for that alone, just to watch these two amazing performers perform off each other, Elba, 
friggin' Gimme Elba in this role. Um, next up, I'm going a little bit younger, and this one might be weird, but um, for Henry Wu, uh, who I think is older than Ellie, but still not, I think, late 20s, he's supposed to be, because he's not fresh out of college, but did stuff in schools, but then... Hammond basically poached him before he got into the academia world. I'm going with Randall Park, um, who we know in Ant-Man or Office fans know him as Asian Jim. Um, <laughs> Randall Park uh, is a very charming fellow. Uh, and we, I think most audiences know him for, for his comedy and his, his excellent comedy because um, he has really good comedic chops. But I think he can do a non-comedic character very, very well. Um, Wu does have some arrogance, but also some second-guessing to him that I think Randall, uh, Randall Park could play very, very well. Um, and Wu in the book gets a, a grisly demise. Um, I hinted earlier at that tone, um, in the film, Grant says uh, to the kid, and it happens with Muldoon, just nowhere near as graphic. Uh, in the film, he's like, they are alive when they start to eat you. Um, Wu in the book has a raptor jump down on him, tear into him, and he's alive and screaming and seeing them bite into his intestines. Um, so it's a very, very grisly demise, and it's for a character who's trying to right the wrongs that he's done as he's learning the errors of his arrogance. Um, I just think Randall Park could do that very, very well. Um, there were some, I'd seen some other fan castings and suggestions um, with some other talented actors, but I'm like, they're too actiony. Um, I would buy Randall Park as a, as a two degree smug scientist. Um, for John Hammond, this one is, I'll admit, a bit stunt-casty, um, but I think either of the performers uh, would make their stamp on book Hammond enough that you wouldn't just be like, oh, you're getting them from the first movie. Part of it is, yes, it, they're in the first movie, so there's a bit of that stunt thing, but also it's different enough from either of the roles in the first movie. Both actors could nail it, and also John Hammond is a dick in the books. He's a bad dude. He's a con man. He's a hustler. And he's so self-assuredly arrogant, but not in the, not in the bearable way that Malcolm is. Um, it's the, in a way, cutting corners kind of way. Um, I'd go Jeff Goldblum or Sam, Sam Neill, um, partially because they were in the first movie. And make no mistake, if Jurassic ever got adapted into a show, if the book ever got that, it wouldn't have without the movie. The franchise does not exist without the film. Heck, the second book doesn't exist without the film. Um, and as much as I'm respectfully trying to get away from the, from the film in the way of like homaging it, but also like it's, has to be different. It's its own thing. The book was different from the film. There are ways I'd want to pay homage to it. Um, aside from slight musical cues, I honestly think casting someone from the original film, but in the role of old of Hammond, uh, 
could be a good way to go, and that both actors could knock that out of the park. Um, i got to stop saying that because I'm not even meaning it punnily. It's just I think they'd be great in, in the role. Um, I can't necessarily picture other people except for the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, but I think they'd make a stamp on it. Hammond in the book is... Hammond in the film is a minor part of Hammond in, in the in the book. Uh, Hammond in the film is, is charming and good-natured and doesn't want to cater to the super rich. Um, yet Hammond in the book constantly looks at like, oh no, it's this, and we're going to make a lot of money. And uh, as things happen, basically turns on everybody. Like there's, there's thoughts where he's like, this guy was the wrong, it's everybody's fault but his own. Um, amongst many, many other things. So I think uh, Goldblum in particular, or Sam Neill, could play the book John Hammond incredibly well, and it's a way to acknowledge uh, lovingly what came before. Um, for the character of Ed Regis, who does not have a movie counterpart, um, Donald Gennaro in the film got Regis's, an aspect of Ed Regis's death, um, from the book. So Ed Regis is a character who I think is supposed to be early 30s, um, but he's a PR person and he's doing a lot of the public. He's getting ready to do the opening of Jurassic and he's he's a like PR worker, but Hammond is getting him to do other things that aren't his job and it's annoying to him. Like he's the one that has to give the tour to everybody as much as he's like, is my job um and he's the one that takes the kid um to the the injured worker kid to the to the doctor at the start um and he's in over his head and he's like firmly lying about what happened um it's mostly because i like him i like the actor i think he's a fantastic actor but also i just think he'd be good in the role and he'd he'd make it memorable while still not like stealing focus or anything i'm i'm putting in my boy Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Um, I think he could really play Ed Regis well, um, where you buy his his frustration at the predicament he's in, uh, his cowardice, it, like his fight or flight, flight um, debatable cowardice um, when the wreck shows up, because in the book it's Regis who flees the kids, and then he does try to go look for them afterwards when he starts hearing them, and then he meets his untimely demise. Um, with the juvenile Rex. Um, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt could do all of that. Uh, Gary Harding, who in the movie is just the guy with the trike at the Jeep and that's it. Um, he does have more of a role, more of a supporting role in the, in the book. Um, in a way, this could be anybody, so I'm not like married to it being this actor. Um, but as soon as I saw the name, I'm like, yeah, why not? Because this guy is supposed to be, again, someone a little bit older, has experiences as a doctor with animals, um, has that layer of authority and proactiveness. I'm going Christopher Maloney, a.k.a. Elliot Stabler from uh, SVU and <laughs> whatever his Law & Order show is. Um, I don't know why, but as soon as, I, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, yeah, no, that works. He's one I, I'm not like absolutely like yes it has to be him but i can't think of anybody else now that i've thought of him um next up we're going um lewis dogson 
or Dog, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Dodson. Um, this guy is has a smaller role in this book, but he plays an important role in The Lost World. Um, and of course, if they were making Jurassic Park and it was done well and it was honoring the book, I'd be like, friggin' yes, do The Lost World. So this guy would also be in that one. Um, I'm going with Logan Marshall Green, which might be a weird casting, but uh, Dogson, uh, he's a devious, douchey fellow. Um, and I think Logan Marshall Green could play that very, very well. Um, he could play the smarmy smarminess of of Dodson uh, now, it, like in this role, but then in the role in in the Lost World. Um, also, I'm a fan of the guy. He was, even though the material he had to work with wasn't great in Prometheus, he was really good in that. Um, and then anybody who's seen Upgrade, he was dope in Upgrade. And Upgrade is dope, and it's it was too under the radar. Watch Upgrade. Um, so I, I think he could be a good he could be a good um, good dogson where yeah he's uh, like he's a handsome man but he's also not like beefcake cavill handsome <laughs> where it's like I am too distracted by your abs to believe that you're you're this guy working for a biotech no offense to Henry Cavill love Cavill but he's too good looking play docs <laughs> um logo logan marshall green i think he could be a good a good dogs and dodson in this and in in lost world should it get made um next up we've got uh donald gennaro this i'm i'm changing uh i'm i'm going a different route because uh, Gennaro in the book is is not the cowardly cowardly lawyer that he is in the film he is at point but at other points, he's proactive and combative with Hammond. Um, he'll jump in to help uh, Muldoon do things. And then, yes, later he'll have his moments of, of fright and hesitancy or outright like, nope, not doing that. And then he'll reluctantly go along. Um, but he's not, he's not like, I'm going to run away from the kids kind of cowardly. Um, and an actor who I think can bring all of that and just the believability of a high-powered attorney that is likable but can also play the the fear and the the later cowardly-ish elements. Um, I'm going with Sterling K. Brown. Um, one, look how handsome this man is. <laughs> uh, but two, anybody who has seen Sterling K. perform knows the range he has. Um, you could buy him being uh, proactive and going along for the action-y portions, as well as being like, hell no, uh, to doing things that he doesn't feel he has to or dodging, dodging responsibilities. Um, and also, I just want more Sterling K. Brown on, on the screen because he's a fantastic actor. Um, so I'm going with him for, for Gennaro. Um, like I said, I don't know who I do for uh, Nedry or Lex or Tim. Um, so those are those are open. Now there's a couple last castings. Um, these are more what I look at as fun cameo, um, because the early chapter, the first chapter of the book, um, features characters that one you don't really see again, uh, except for one, 
Um, but then also it's it does the setup before we get to our core group because again it's establishing that the thing that's not supposed to happen has already happened. The dinosaurs are off. Some of them are off. Um, and then the end of the book, even though it ends with the majority of the dinosaurs dying because napalm, because uh, the Costa Rican government figures out what's going on, they're like, hell no. Um, but we find out raptors got off the island um, as well, some of them. Uh, but the start of the book, like I said, compies, on the, compies are on mainland Costa Rica. Uh, so it right off the bat tells you like, hey, this doesn't work. Um, but still, you're meeting a number of other characters who most of the time you don't see again. The first one is uh, Dr. Bobby Carter. She's the, the doctor who sees the kid and does a little bit of a pushback. Like, this doesn't look like a, a mining or construction accident. This has all the telltale signs of an animal mauling. Um, with her, I'd go with um, either Haley Steinfeld or, or Emma Stone, mostly because I like both of them. Uh, but also I could buy, I could buy them being doctors, um, and having that, that air of authority to a degree. Um, so I'd go with I, either one of them. Um, and then for the other doctor who we, we get to know a little bit and shows up at the end of the book, doc, um, Dr. Martin Marty, uh, Gutierrez, I would go Oscar Isaac or Pedro Pascal. Now, Pedro would be more distracting than Oscar Isaac, but it's also, he's freaking Pedro Pascal. He's always a delight on the screen. Um, Oscar Isaac might be less distracting than, than Pedro Pascal, but both would be able to do that role very, very well. And it's also a small, a small enough role that it's like, why not have fun with a bigger name? As long as it doesn't overall detract from the from the story. Um, all right, so that's my pitch for Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park, a six to eight episode miniseries, possibly longer, possibly just six. Um, you get what I mean. The story's got to dictate. Uh, I honestly do think that's where the show should go, not my specific version of it, but just something that would be from the book. I don't see how where else there is for the franchise to go that's not retreading around. The book has a lot of stuff that they didn't adapt, so it's like, no, that that's ripe for the plucking, dude. Um, so that's my that's my pitch. Let me know in the comments below what your thoughts are on my version of Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. But also, who would you cast and where would you like to see that go? And also, let me know if you think I should do a follow-up to The Lost World, because uh, I do have a person in mind for some of those roles. There's an actress I like um, na uh, named Florence Pugh, who I wanted to put into this, but then as soon as, as uh, almost as soon as she came up in mind, I'm like, oh, but no, I don't want to have her in that section. Uh, when there's a character in the Lost World who she could nail amazingly. <laughs> um, so let me know if you'd be interested in me doing a follow-up video with the, Michael Crichton's The Lost World. All that being said, I hope you enjoyed. If you stuck through the 40-plus minutes, thank you. Uh, let me know in the comments what you thought. Hope you enjoyed. Who would you cast? Hope you have a wonderful day. And what series would you pitch? Have a great day and take care. Peace! Na 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 na